Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Invasion by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, not alongside Zachary Newton, who is on week one of paternity leave. So I'm going to be navigating this ship solo. But boy, I missed all of you. I was, um, it's been, it's been too long. It's been too long, although it's only been since last Friday, I believe, or Thursday. I can't recall. But I've been looking forward to reconnecting with all of you out there. If you are not paying attention to our foundation series, just concluded last Friday, the finale was crazy, uh, crazier than the penultimate episode, which I was shocked to hear or to say, actually. I was not expecting it to top the um, second to last episode. So uh, I did that instant reaction solo. Good news, though, we are planning to do our deep dive. I know we always drop our deep dive on Sunday nights. However, we wanted to do that one together. So I'm going to be doing the deep dive with Zach when he returns, which will be a temporary returning. I don't know uh, when he's going to be back for these invasion series. So you're stuck with me on the solo ones. But I'm looking forward to chopping it up with you all tonight as we break down another great invasion episode, I think. As Zach would famously say, this one was better than the last one. You know, you know, Zach. But um, here we go. I got to say, y'all, before we get into this, we are still battling to get back on YouTube. I have taken every extraordinary leap you can imagine. I have reached out to every department thinkable at Apple, at YouTube, at the OPSEC security place that executes these takedown requests on behalf of Apple. We were actually in the clear with Apple, who was the complainee about our uh, copyright violations that took us down. But we're back on Apple Podcast, and all of our content is back on Spotify. We're still waiting on YouTube. Um, I reached out to some other employees at this company that I'm dealing with because we're dealing with somebody who has just not been communicative at all with us and assisting us on getting back on YouTube. We're having a bunch of you out there who listened and watched us on YouTube reaching out, uh, asking, hey, where are you? And, um, hey, well, we're trying. We're trying our best. But nonetheless, I'm trying. um, We're doing everything we can. Uh, I'm taking whatever step necessary. We will be back there in some way. At least I'm confident of it, unless another curveball comes out of nowhere. But, all right, enough of that BS. Let's get into Invasion. This is Season 2, Episode 5. A voice from the other side, uh, very eerily similar to Adele's song. Mm, This is maybe the first episode we get where we um, have a bit of every single character. You you know, you get Anisha. We pick up with Anisha in terms of where she's at with um, Sarah being missing. And we find out because they have this. All right, look, there are several points in this episode where I just absolutely rolled my eyes uh, at some of the things going on on screen. But we pick up with Anisha. It's the next day. You know, something about these day and night cycles here. It was nighttime when Sarah was gone. So did they wait four or five hours for the sun to rise to then start tackling the situation of Sarah being missing? I don't know. But thankfully, on their team, they seem to have a super tracker who is able to find out that the boot prints that are in the ground are military issued. And he can also see the tracks of some Humvee tires on there as well. So seems that Sarah was taken probably by the same platoon that stopped Anisha and co earlier in the season where they know she has this weapon 
that is a weakness to to the aliens. And you know, if you're a Nisha, what? I mean, I understand you want to protect your family, but you have the one thing that can take out these aliens. Why wouldn't you just? I mean, I I get it. You know, maybe I would be selfish about keeping that for me too if I had a family to take care of in an alien post-apocalypse, but I digress. We do open up the episode with this weird alien intro scene. At first, I thought it was Sheriff Jim Bell, and for all we know, it might be, but there's an alien cloaked outside of Martin Williams' house, this farmer who we hadn't met until this episode, and he's with his wife, Lisa, who I thought was Mary, Jim Bell's wife from season one. I know that's a that's a really long callback because we haven't seen those characters since the pilot of this show but nonetheless i did think it was his wife so i thought maybe the alien was jim bell coming back for revenge because his wife moved on which understandable maybe a little selfish but understandable you know many of the many of the men women out there might do the same to their significant other if they were uh, abducted by aliens only to find out that like four months later your wife or lover is shacked up with some other farmer but let's keep it moving uh i i really don't understand what's going on with these cloaked aliens uh what we do find out is that there's these aliens are able to kind of key in on frequencies and target specific people uh there's a couple of times in this episode where there's noises being heard whether it's martin hearing a noise and the wife not hearing it or mitsuki hearing a noise and um, they're all of her scientist buddies not hearing it. But, yeah, we get a bit of that. And uh, we're, I think we're finding out more about the aliens, although we're finding out a lot of nothing, too. Because uh, we get probably the most interesting aspect of this episode is the fact that Mitsuki is able to cause pain to the alien, which causes this, this very strange reaction in the alien. And to be honest, in my notes, I wrote a bunch of side notes. I was like... Is the alien telling the truth or are they deceiving Mitsuki as a defense mechanism to stop this magnetic um, signal that's causing them a ridiculous amount of pain? Because it's screaming out. At one moment, I thought there was going to be an alien that formed from this blob and just kind of pokes, pokes out at the end. But I guess we don't get that. But it does morph into this little Japanese girl who's begging Mitsuki to stop hurting her. And then kind of uses Mitsuki's own memories against her and, and weaponizes them against her. But to my point earlier in the episode about seeing a little bit of each character, you do see Casper and you hear Casper who's calling out for Jamila. So you get Anisha, you get Mitsuki, you get Trev, and you get Casper, our four lead protagonists of this series, all in this episode. Meanwhile... You have the other players, right? You got Clark, who's the smoldering uh, cult leader. I'm just going to continue to call it a cult, even though Clark is having his redeeming moment of going to save Sarah. But I think he's just trying to get it on with Anisha. You know, I think he's he's playing the long game here in terms of, uh, you know, he's got a daughter. He sees, you know, you know, Anisha, a pretty woman with also kids of her own. You know, maybe he's trying to restart a family in the apocalypse. You never know. But I've never seen a cult leader or a group leader in any one of these post-apocalypse shows turn out to be good. So the verdict is still out for Clark here. Okay, let's talk about the WDC, the World Defense Coalition. The World Defense Coalition seems to have something in common with Maya, the um, therapist or whatever she is who's in Brazil looking out for Mitsuki. And it seems to you know, be that they have in common the fact that 
they don't understand that they're in the middle of an alien war. I mean, there's there's moments in this episode where, you know, Nikhil Kapoor, the billionaire who's in charge of the Brazilian operation that's probing into these aliens, where he's being questioned as to why do we nuke these things? They're attacking back. And he's like, well, it's a war. You know, they're going to strike back. What do you what do you expect? And I kind of agree with him, even though he is a little uh, he has like these villainous tendencies that the show's clearly pushing him towards. But he compares the nuke attack to the Stalingrad, you know, which had two million deaths. And Maya, like the World Defense Coalition, is, is you know, very much virtue signaling. And, you know, how, you're going to compare this, this, this alien invasion to Stalingrad? There's t- two million people died. I'm like, okay. It's, hor- it's going to be horrible no matter what. But if you thought World War II Germany was bad or Hitler's Germany was bad, how about aliens invading your planet i mean you, th- you think there's gonna be less than two million deaths so there's that maya there's that i just think you know i think maya also has the hots for mitsuki so but who doesn't who, do- who watches the show to be honest all right continuing on anisha's uh secret gets exposed about her identity because there i mean there is somebody in the room who's asking the right questions and to be honest if you're looking at the situation from a neutral, unbiased perspective, why on earth would a military convoy come and abduct a little girl in the middle of an alien invasion? There has to be something Anisha's not saying. So although Hanley is a creep and they always take it too far in terms of, you know, the guy with the differing opinion, you know, attacking the kid, you know, he has a point. What the hell is she hiding? Can she, she might bring down the whole group with this nonsense. You know, she could have just given up that alien artifact that perhaps could have produced a million alien ant, I mean, kryptonite bullets and taken out these aliens, but who knows? We'll find out. Anisha decides not to fess up to Clark here. And instead, the secret comes out by her boneheaded son, Luke, who's being consoled by Clark's daughter about the fact that it's his fault that Sarah's missing in the first place because there is a trend with Luke in this season he, that he keeps running off and disobeying his mother because he blames his mother for the death of his father, if he's even dead. But, you know, if you were him, you would think your dad is dead, right? So little does he know that his mother was being cheated on and all sorts of things and that his dad got another woman pregnant. You know, so he, he'll find that out later in his boneheaded life. But... Every time he runs off in this season, something bad happens. You know, when he goes to steal the military MREs, uh, they get abducted. Or he doesn't get abducted. They get arrested, right? Then he runs off to go fight the aliens to protect Clark's daughter that he has the hots for. And then Sarah gets abducted because Anisha has to go chase after him. But realistically speaking, even if Anisha stayed behind, if it was the military that took Sarah, all three of them would have been taken because they wouldn't have, you know, that little stick or blade works against the aliens, but that thing ain't going to work against a military convoy. So let's keep it moving. Trev. I got to say, man, um, Trevante has gone from my favorite character from season one and the most, in my opinion, the most dynamic acting moments, most heartfelt acting moments came from Trev in season one. 
but damn, they're they're not giving him a lot to work with in season two. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, first and foremost, he antagonized as a character here. Okay, I'm not going into any of the of the acting or anything like that. I'm talking strictly from a story perspective, and and the decisions that his character makes. He antagonizes everyone who helps him in this. From I mean, from the moment he was stranded in the desert and that nomad comes to pick him up, that he absolutely just antagonizes the entire time, right? To Rose here, who who let him out of prison on the notion that he has a magic notebook connected to a kid with superpowers who can stop aliens. You're going to antagonize this woman who believes such a far-fetched idea, which anybody out there without proof wouldn't believe that. They just wouldn't, right? So he's kind of annoying, to be honest, in this episode, because the first what pissed me off really was that she looks at the notebook. She sees the scarecrow. And she says, wait a minute, I, I, I recognize that. This man has traveled from the Middle East to the UK, to California, to Florida, kicked out by his sister, drove his ass all the way to Oklahoma, got arrested in Oklahoma, freed in Oklahoma, all on the notion that this notebook is somehow connected to bringing down the aliens, that he has some sort of purpose, that he still has a war to fight. And here's this woman, here's this town that this notebook has led him to, and like throwing a dart with your eyes closed, he seems to hit this woman right in the forehead because she's a lead of to where he needs to go next. And when she says the whole, I recognize that scarecrow, he looks so uninterested. That it just makes me wonder what the hell was going on that there wasn't like a second take or there wasn't like a, hey, like, hey, uh, Trev, you know, Shamir, who plays Trev, like, yep. I, how about we try this with Rose has an interesting lead here that we're going to go for rather than they hop in the car and he actually asks her how much longer until we get to this place? I, I don't know, man. You just drove across the country to Oklahoma. That's like a two two-day drive if anybody well, not a two-day but two-day you're not going to drive it in 40 in 22 hours or 26 hours it's a long-ass drive bottom line okay how about like an hour drive ain't gonna kill you just saying just saying so they get out to the scarecrow place right and there are crows that are flying in a figure eight which tends to be a connecting theme here in this episode right because the attack that mitsuki uses to provoke the alien has something to do with magnetic fields and i learned something new that i didn't learn in elementary school seriously i haven't learned this anywhere in, in life birds are somehow connected to the magnetic field of the earth and so they use this in their migration patterns and all that her theory her working theory is is that aliens are also connected to the magnetic field in a way that has disrupted our weather patterns and that they're disrupting the patterns of the birds. Hold on, I'm taking a drink. So like Martin earlier in the episode, she begins to hear a frequency that disrupted. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that what her and Martin have in common is that they have a loved one who was abducted by the aliens or taken by the aliens. And so 
She hears a frequency and determines that she can hear the aliens communicating with each other. At which point she decides that the only thing that's left to do is to provoke them. We need to provoke the aliens to show themselves, to make them come out of hiding and cause them pain. Which, of course, Maya bucks at because she wants no casualties in this war with aliens across the galaxy. All right. Like I was saying about Luke earlier, the thing about Luke's mistakes in this season and the things that he has going on is that when he ran off and they got arrested by the military, it was perhaps the best thing that occurred, right? Because being with this group is definitely better than them being alone, you know? So he spills the beans here to Clark's daughter about the fact that they're hiding, their their names are different, they have a weapon that the aliens are weak to. And Hanley is overhearing everything in this situation. So once again, Luke is involved in something that seemingly is a negative for his family. But it does turn into a positive because Clark does take the fall for Anisha lying about the fact that she told him the secret, which she didn't. Maybe, you know, Clark's playing the long game here. And he's a good dude. You know, I, the thing is, is that I'm so jaded by all the resistance leaders and every single post-apocalyptic show in the history of mankind that I just can't fathom a scenario where Clark ends up being a good guy all the way through and through. All right, back to Trev. They approach this, I mean, still very blase. You have to understand, and it, Trev has fought aliens. He's been in the shit. I mean, he has been in London fighting off aliens, protecting people. He has seen how powerful these aliens are. And not just that, there's chatter now that these aliens have evolved, that they are now hunter-killers that are no longer vulnerable to fire, they don't have the same vulnerabilities, and that they just attack to attack. They attack for no reason. And if you saw the thumbnail for next week's episode, I think we're in for a ride because we do find out that these hunter-killer aliens are in between Anisha's group and where Sarah is probably at Camp Pierce or Fort Pierce where the military base is. So I'm assuming all hell is going to break loose next episode. Anyways, Trev, in a very disinterested fashion, moves towards this crop circle in the middle of the field and can see the sand, which he knows is a pattern that an alien is nearby. He can see the sand moving in patterns. To that point, they find a shotgun and they find Martin on his house patio swing, repeating the word Wajo, Wajo. And the first adult to be repeating those words in the show. We haven't had a single adult. I thought that was exclusive to the to the kids who were able to kind of communicate with the aliens on a different wavelength. But no, Martin, an elderly man, also heard it. And who knows, maybe he was taken, maybe they put him back. What is weird is that the alien that is creeping on Rose and Trev here, I'm assuming is the same one from the beginning of the episode. And that thing dips. That thing flies away rapidly. So something causes that thing to fly away. Now, maybe it flew away because the timeline of what's going on is lined up with Mitsuki and the magnetic attack that it does. And if we're watching this show and we're, and we're putting together any of the puzzle pieces, it seems that, that these aliens have a hive mind. So if you attack one, they all feel it. Okay. Back to Mitsuki. Uh, we kind of get a filler scene here where she's prepping to go into the, the tank with the blob. 
And Maya comes in and checks in on her again. And then the most baffling scene of the episode, she says, I need to show you something that may save your life. And really, this is just a metaphor for the audience. I don't even think that this is a, a metaphor for Mitsuki. She goes in and has this long explanation or short explanation about how before everyone used to think that every animal and every organism in the forest was fighting for its own life. But actually, the forest is fighting together. And so like the show with the four protagonists, all four are connected and everything is connected. How the hell is that going to save her with the blob? Nothing. There's nothing practical in what Maya is saying here. But for the audience out there, we know that everything's connected because at the end of this blob, we see, you know, little Casper, or the silhouette of Casper at the end of this blob tunnel. So Mitsuki's attack is successful and it's quite baffling because she has an interaction with this young Japanese girl who's not really the Japanese girl. I'm assuming it is the alien itself taking the form of this girl, doing something so that it could distract Mitsuki and make her stop attacking it. But it does have this baffling interaction where the alien seems to be confused as to why the humans are attacking them. And then Mitsuki says, because you're attacking our planet. And then the alien, it looks confused and it goes back to its normal form. It's at that point we have the whole glove taking off scene of Mitsuki touching the alien. And I believe the alien was trying to kill Mitsuki. If I could be wrong. But it's, it's very strange because she's having visions of her past. She's seeing the star on the ceiling that Hinata put up there. I think it's too soon to make sense of what happens in this alien interaction. Trev. A military truck comes by pretty soon after everything goes down at the field and picks up Martin and takes him away. Which my question here is, is how did the military know that he had an interaction? Did he call for help? He looked like he was in a trance, so I'm not really sure. But we do get this key moment where Martin says his wife was taken up. And I, la I literally laughed my head off at this moment. His wife was taken up and he saw Billy. Billy's connected to Rose somehow, whether it's her kid or her husband or her boyfriend or who knows who Billy is to Rose. But he is important to her because she has a breakdown, an emotional breakdown. But I did laugh when Martin says, up, they took her up. And Trev goes, up where? And then it cuts to a shot in the field where you see a giant alien mothership in the distance i'm thinking to myself where do you think i don't know just a gander it could it be the giant alien mothership that's that's maybe like 25 miles out from here no <laughs> couldn't be meanwhile in anisha's part of town or the country the rescue mission begins, which is where we leave off with her. She has a little soft moment with Clark, who she thanks for the first time. And for the first time, we see a little bit of a warmth of Anisha towards smoldering Clark here, who always seems to be kind of furrowing his eyebrows, trying to trying to like let us know how sincere he is. You know, like, hey, Anisha, just tell me who you are. You know? Who are you, really? You know? I'm rooting for Clark here. Rooting for Clark. He does seem doomed in some way, but we'll see. Anyways, the attack goes on. Mitsuki has her interaction with the alien. David Bowie plays. She puts her hand on the alien. We'll see if Mitsuki returns from this. 
But finally, for the first time in the series, I agree with Maya because Mitsuki gets consumed by the alien blob in a trance that it didn't seem like she was coming back from until she gets yanked out like a high priest in the Old Testament from the Holy of Holies. She gets yanked out by her waist with a rope. But unlike the high priest, this Mitsuki seems alive. Right? Yeah, that was a thing back in the day. There was like a high priest that would put a rope around his waist in case if they were unclean to go before the presence of God, they would die because any unholiness in the sight of a holy God would cause that to occur. But it does seem Mitsuki survives here and with just a bloody nose. And she does say, she ends the episode with an ominous, they're out there, which kind of sent a chill down my spine and is going to make me have to uh, decompress and play a, a peaceful video game and not think about aliens outside of my abode as I try to go to sleep tonight. So, anyways, uh, that wraps up Season 2, Episode 5, A Voice from the Other Side. And we leave off with Mitsuki, sort of unconscious, and I'm assuming going to be recovering for a little bit after this ordeal and trying to make sense of what the hell she saw. I think we can kind of get a sense that Hinata might be alive because the alien sure as hell seemed confused about the notion that the aliens are the ones trying to destroy the planet. They seemed a little confused by that. So are we going to get the cliche, the aliens are here not to attack us thing after their their hunter-killer? Aliens are just going around the planet, decimating populations and terraforming the atmosphere? I hope not. Anisha is beginning her rescue mission. I'm most looking forward to Anisha's storyline next episode and the rescue mission for Sarah. I think that should be pretty intense. I wouldn't even be surprised if we got a redo of last season, how we had that whole horror movie episode where Anisha gets back to the house and there's an alien in the house. I think we might get a full-on Anisha episode next week, possibly. But I feel like we got to get back to Casper. Probably the kids are getting to the hospital or something like that because we haven't had any of Casper this season and they led into him in the uh, the tunnel. You hear his voice in the blob. So perhaps he wakes up. Perhaps something in this Mitsuki situation wakes him up from his coma by the way really cool camera shot when Mitsuki's pulled out of the tank and it has that upside down effect and kind of twirls around um that was I thought that was a pretty dope camera shot with Trev I think the verdict's out with Trev I would assume he makes his way towards the mothership I don't know what he's gonna do with this information it almost seems like there's one too many storylines in this show but maybe they tie those loose ends in a way that it doesn't feel that way at the end of the season. And am I missing someone? Who's, my, who's our final character? We have Mitsuki recovering. Anisha rescue mission. Casper waking up from the coma. Reuniting with Jamila and co. And surviving the hunter killer aliens. That are all around that part of Paris. And who knows if they were attracted to that hospital. Because of all of the. Uh, you know. Superpower kids that were in that ward. But. TBD. TBD. Anyways, y'all, let's wrap up this instant reaction. I hope you're enjoying Invasion like we are. Uh, things are a little bit behind right now. We should have been doing our deep dive on Foundation, which ended last week. So the title of the show is going to change. We may do a permanent change to uh, Story Archives, a TV and film podcast, something like that. We'll see. Uh, we are still battling to get YouTube reinstatement. It's ridiculous. We got we all of the take on requests against us were retracted two weeks ago. FYI to all of you out there, we're in the clear, and we're still dealing with 
a channel termination. And thank you all out there, um, specifically Twitter. Some Twitter followers out there have been super supportive. Uh, Thirty, I think one of them, a 38-year-old uh, dad. I think that's literally the name, his, his Twitter name. Thank you for the support, retweeting, and always uh, quote tweeting. We appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, and, uh, I love connecting with all of you on here and, uh, through emails. I, I have a backlog of foundation emails, but I've been busy, uh, pestering the customer rep from OPSEC security to try to help us out to get back on YouTube. So in between sending that guy about 20 emails a day, uh, I'm, I'm a little behind on my answering emails, uh, for the show, but nonetheless, uh, we're planning on doing the deep dive for foundation, uh, the finale on friday morning so that should be up by friday night god willing zach is in the middle of probably feeding his daughter for the third time this evening he told me that uh uh, there she's uh she's a bit rowdy at night so he's dealing with that first time uh father over there so he's uh he's you know he's taking what do you call him taking your lumps you know when you're when you're learning things for the first time i think that's what it's called taking your bumps i don't know someone out there can correct me all right we're looking into some other shows, or I'm looking into some other shows as the curator of, of the TV shows on the channel. Uh, we're looking into Changelings. I haven't watched episode one yet. I've gotten maybe a handful of you out there who have been interested in Changelings. So we'll check it out. You know, I kind of want to have a seasonal approach to the rest of the year. I want to have a spooky show. Wouldn't mind doing some films to round out the year. Definitely want to get some holiday stuff going. I, you know... <sighs> I have an idea for a video, guys, and an idea for a podcast. I've watched a lot of shows this year. Between last year and this year, I've watched a lot of TV shows. And I want to round out what are the best ones that I've watched to recommend to all of you out there. And I really would like to do, and I'm now I'm just spitballing, which sometimes gets me into trouble. But damn it, I loved The Bear on Hulu. And I wouldn't mind doing a, a Bear podcast, whether, I don't know if I could do it episodically or not, but. Maybe we could batch them. I don't know. That show is just so good. It just deserves something. Just deserves something. But anyways, y'all, thank you all for tuning in. Please email us at contact the soapbox at house. As always, check the links in the description. We're closing out a survey of what you want to hear on the channel. We're uh, putting that one out there in terms of feedback, kind of content you want to listen to, maybe some spinoff shows down the road. And we're going to be closing that out soon. We thank you all for the submissions we've gotten so far. Please subscribe to our newsletter. We are working on something. We're going to get something out eventually there. Um, But we want you guys in the loop there. And we're brainstorming on ways to be a little bit more resilient to any sort of big brother, big tech bannings that we've occurred that have been dealt to us. Now, I can see why some of the other podcasts out there are on Patreon and other locations like that. Because they have a bit of, you know, anti-fragile, anti-fragility to them. They can't just be terminated, you know. So we got to have a hub for all of our stuff where you can stay up to date with all of our uh, our stuff. Thank you all who support the show. Thank you, Linder, as always, for reaching out and supporting us on a monthly basis. Thank you for that. Uh, just a shout out to you for always tuning in and always being a great uh, correspondence uh, via email. Thank you. All, once again, have a great night, have a great week, and stay tuned to Story Archives. Until next time, peace.